0: couple things I'd like to go over in the budget. The uh, budget. Now, uh, the way I see it, we need $650 million. Now, some of this can be done, uh, it seems to me, through some okay. simple changes in our cash management. Uh, for example, uh, according to the OMB, we've got uh, 17 defense contractors who are delinquent in their contracts. Uh, is this true, Frank? Uh, I believe so, yes. So even though they're late, we keep paying them on time? Uh, well in a sense yeah okay now instead of giving them money for something they haven't finished we could hold back that cash stick it in even an ordinary savings account we'd be making 23 million dollars a month in interest well uh, technically that's true but uh oh. I mom mean, i suppose it's true okay 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 so that's 23 million times 12 months Okay, good. The Commerce Department. Yes, Mr. President. Uh, You're spending $47 million on an ad campaign to boost consumer confidence in the American auto industry. Yes, sir. Uh, Well, you see, it's designed to bolster individual uh, confidence in a previous domestic automotive purchase. So we're spending $47 million so that somebody can feel better about a car that they've already bought? Yes, sir. But I wouldn't characterize it that way. No, no, I'm sure that's important, but. I don't want to tell some eight year old kid that he's got to sleep in the street. Because we want people to feel better about their car.
1: This is Ed Huffman, and welcome to the main event. Can you hear that clip from the movie Dave? From uh, I don't know, the, sometime in the '80s or the '90s, when uh, Dave is uh, Dave is played by Kevin uh, played played by what's his name? I'll think of it. Um, Kevin Klein. Who, Dave, who's played by Kevin Klein, is actually impersonating the president when the president is uh, in a coma and nobody knows and uh, starts making some common-sense decisions about how to uh, make make certain uh, ends meet in the budget. Can you imagine what will happen if we have a businessman, someone with a brain and some common sense and that knows how to add and, uh, and balance a checkbook in the White House? I use that clip because I think this week we got to see a lot of... Uh, I think the last couple of weeks got to see a lot of a lot of that common sense going on in the in this country. And we're going to talk about all that stuff, but I thought it was uh, a little uh, good Ill, a good illustration for you to see how uh, how things how uh, how things should work. I, I think back to Ross Perot. Hey, here's 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 my. Here, I'm gonna show you my my graphs. Here's where we are on the budget, and here's where we are on the on the debt. And this, uh, you know, when you when you pass NAFTA, the North American Free Trade uh, Agreement, you're gonna hear this giant second sound, and that's gonna be the sound of jobs going out of the country. Where is Ross Perot now? Of course, that was uh 24 years ago, and he was old then, so. He's uh he's probably too old to run for president, but we got Donald Trump, and it's amazing to me that everybody the whole the whole uh, um, political establishment is scared out of their minds of this. And what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We got to see Mitt Romney last week make a little speech to try and steer people away, and you know it makes me it makes me think about makes me think about uh, what's called christianity of convenience. These guys are nice christian boys that do what's right and tell the truth until it's not convenient for them. You know what? Doesn't matter where you are on Sunday morning. Matters what's in your in your heart and your mind and what's going on when there's no one but no one but God and you know what you're thinking about. So uh, anyway, I'm going to try and tell you exactly what I'm thinking about and what how you should be thinking, although and you make your own decision. I'm going to talk about everything that's going on in the, this country this week, but first let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley, also offices in Temecula, Corona, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, and coming very, very soon, West Covina. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and especially now that uh, interest rates are low and I don't know how much longer they're going to stay low and real estate prices seem to be on the rise. If you need financing, you want to uh, buy a new house to live in, buy an investment property, buy a vacation home or buy buy a house to get your kid out of your basement and push him out of the house. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, 855-640-2020. And just so you know, because I give a lot of real estate advice, Wholesale Capital does not sell real estate. We do not sell real estate. We do loans. We do financing. Okay, I've said this a a million times. If you're dealing with a realtor that does financing, they're not doing either one of them right. So, financing is too complicated now for someone to do it part-time. If you don't know what you're doing, you make a you make a mistake, it screws up the whole thing and next thing you know you're closing a month late. So anyway, if you want to if you want to finance, call me 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me but but you want to talk to me but you don't want to talk to me cuz you're at your job and you're not supposed to be talking personal stuff during company time. Wait till your lunch break, wait till after work. Go on edhoffman.net. Click on Apply now. Put in as much information as you want. Tell me what information you want from from me, and you will hear back from either myself or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampias, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we will uh, contact you back. Any in any communication form that you want—smoke smoke, smoke uh, signals, uh, telephone, cell phone, text, emails—however you however you want to work it, we'll deal with it. Uh, if you hear something you want replayed, you can also go to edhoffman.net. Click on Listen to the Main Event. You can hear this show as well as four past shows or get my podcast on iTunes. Search iTunes on your uh, on your phone or your computer and uh, you can uh, search Ed Hoffman and you can uh, subscribe for free. Get the podcast. will download once a week. Whenever we upload it, it will download it and uh, you can listen anytime you want. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter name is at Ed Hoffman. Imagine that. I'm hard to find. Uh, I tweet about current events all week long. And you can like our show on Facebook. Just uh, Facebook search the main event 590 to find the show page. You can also read my weekly opinion columns on uh, IE Business Daily. It's iebusinessdaily.com. Click on the opinion tab, you'll see my full list of columns. This week's columns about honoring the memory of Nancy Reagan. Um, Obama apparently decided to skip. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that right now. Um, let's talk about that right now. Nancy Reagan uh, died last uh, last Sunday, last Saturday, last Sunday. Uh, she's 94 years old, uh, wife of our uh, our favorite president, Mr. Ronald Reagan. Um, she was laid to rest on Friday, and uh, surprisingly, you see the list of people that were there. Uh, president Obama decided it wasn't it wasn't uh, that important for him to be there. Um, he probably had a golf date or a fundraiser or something. Uh, Michelle Obama was there. She didn't look like she was very happy to be there. Uh, I think she I think she's wondering why. This first lady, uh Nancy Reagan had so much respect and nobody uh and nobody shows that same respect to her. I don't know. Maybe you got to earn that respect. Uh we saw we saw uh, um President uh President Bush Jr. and uh Laura Bush were there and uh oh lots of lots of people were there. I got to see uh uh Mr. T was there. He was part of her uh her uh, Just Say No campaign from the 80s, and uh, surprisingly, he was sitting right next to my buddy Gary Sinise, who we're uh, doing some fundraising for, which we'll talk about here in just a second, and uh, and I never got to meet Mr. T, but I did uh, finance uh, Mr. T's, uh, the mother of Mr. T's son, and Mr. T's son actually did an intern internship at our office in between years at college, and a uh, good kid. Good kid, just looked just like him, but no mohawk. So that was disappointing to see that. Let me show you, give you a couple other pieces of news in here. Um, Wounded Warrior Project files f- fires up fires two top executives amid reports of lavish spending. Um, the chair, the charity, one of the largest, one of the largest for the nation's veterans, uh, has been mired by controversy since January when CBS News investigation found many of its donations were going towards towards employees. Twenty six million dollars on a company conference in 2014 alone. According to CBS News, the board of directors fired Chief Executive Officer Stephen Nardizi and Chief Operating Officer Al Giordano Thursday after an independent review found some policies and procedures and controls that Wounded Warrior Project have not kept pace with the organization's rapid growth in recent years and are in need of strengthening, according to a statement from the nonprofit sent to NBC. Um... Of the millions of dollars of donations received each year by Wounded Warrior Project, just 54 to 60 percent actually goes to vets. CBS News reported the rest goes to overhead, air travel, luxury resorts, over-the-top parties. Other veterans charities have overhead costs that don't exceed 10 or 15 percent. So uh, I won't read the rest of the article, but um, I'll tell you that the reason that one of the reasons I bring that up is, is uh, Wholesale Capital has a nonprofit called WCC Charities, and if you want to learn about it, you can go to wcccharities.org. Um, and uh, we support some other charities. Um, last year, last year, as you, as some of you remember, we did an event called uh, Push-Ups for Charity in August. We put it together in six weeks and donated seventy-five thousand four hundred fifty-two dollars to uh, the Boot uh, And we'll talk more about that because we're going to do a second annual on May twenty-first this year at our building in Moreno Valley. Uh, and give you a chance to come out and do some push-ups to raise money for the boot campaign. We've also committed to raising money to act in in uh, in partnership with the Gary Sinise Foundation to actually build a house. Where the Gary Sinise Foundation is actually having the having the house built, but we're going to pay for it with funds that we that we uh, raise uh, for a uh, triple amputee Andrew Botrel, um, who uh, is a Navy Navy guy on uh, that lost both his legs and his and his left arm in 2012, and uh, we're going to generate the, the dollars to to. Uh, Uh, to pay for his smart home that's being built. They actually bought a house and it's going to be completely renovated into a smart home uh, designed to fit his needs and his family's needs. And uh, we're going to talk more about that at the Unite IE conference next Saturday at the Fox uh, Performing Arts Center in Riverside. So if you haven't already gone to am590theanswer.com and uh, uh, got your tickets for that, that's going to be a big event, um, an all-day event next Saturday, the 19th. They've got Larry Elder. They've got a uh, uh, Bill Whittle. Uh, they've got me. They've got uh Louis Gomer. I, th- I I call him uh, I call him Waldo because you know for a while there every time you saw anybody at the at the Capitol uh, there was Louis Gohmert uh, in the background. So Don and I started calling him uh, uh, Waldo. Look at there's that Congressman from Texas. He's he's everywhere. So anyway, come out next uh, next Saturday and we're going to uh, uh, discuss some of the uh it's gonna be very political very political very uh get off your get off your rear end and do something and make a difference in people's lives and uh we've got we've got about uh what nine months left to change the to change our country or change the world or it's going to be gone so uh um that'll be next week one other thing before i get into uh the happenings of this week is uh there's an event going on for those of you that live in redlands that uh, don't like the fact that the city of Redlands is trying to raise your water prices 55.14%. Tuesday, March 15th, so this coming Tuesday at 6 p.m. at the city council meeting at the corner of Citrus and Orange, um, they're trying to get as many people as they can. Uh, The council is under no obligation to adopt this increase, whether or not majority protest is reached for Proposition 218. Uh, Let them know you're as mad as hell and you'll not take it anymore. So they're trying to get uh, as many people as they can to show up. So if you live in Redlands and you don't want your your water to uh, your water uh, bill to increase by 55.14%, which is what they're proposing, um, show up at the city council meeting at six o'clock Tuesday in uh, at the Redlands City Council at uh, Citrus and Orange. Okay. So let's get on to what let's get on to what's happening this this past week. In the world of politics, so uh, uh, Democrats voted in Mississippi and Michigan primaries last Tuesday. Uh, the Democrats, the Democrats in uh, in Ohio, prepared to vote next Tuesday. Hillary has been uh, touting her working-class values on the campaign trail. You know what I liked last week? Last weekend to see um, they did three different states, and Bernie Sanders did uh, one, one, two of them. Bernie Sanders, the Democrat socialist, beat Hillary two out of three states. And, her, and her, her, uh, her speech at the end goes, we're happy to advance our delegate count and all eyes are on Michigan. And then Tuesday, he beat her in Michigan. <clears throat> you know what? It's not that I like Bernie Sanders. I just think, it's, I just think it's, a, it's a burn on Hillary that this old guy who's a socialist, who has no business even being in this race, is beating Hillary Clinton. I think that's poetic justice. So uh, so uh, uh, let's see here. So getting back to my notes. Uh, so, she, so Hillary's been touting her, set her working class values on the campaign trail. Remember, Bernie Sanders has succeeded as selling himself as the candidate for the little guy Democrats, while Clinton is now thought of as the candidate for the wealthy. Here's how she tried to fight that image. Uh, uh, this was Wednesday, Wednesday night uh, at the debate.
2: America belongs to all of us. Not just those who are already successful. I want to be the president, not for those who are already successful. They don't need me. I want to be the president for the struggling and the striving. For people who have a dream and who are looking for a way to achieve that dream.
1: Amazing. Hey, guess what? The struggling don't need her either. They need jobs. No, they need an opportunity, and the government does not provide that. They get out of the way so that the so the uh, private so the private industry can create jobs. Get out of the way, so so the economy can do its thing, and there will be jobs. They don't need Hillary Clinton to take care of them. They want you. They want those of you that aren't doing well. They want you to be dependent on them forever. But in the Washington Post Univision debate against uh, Sanders on Tuesday night, Clinton was challenged to do more than champion herself. Jorge Ramos asked some questions, some uh, actually impressive questions, this one uh, on her email scandal.
3: When you were Secretary of State, you wrote 104 emails in your private server that the government now says contain classified information according to the Washington Post analysis. That goes against a memo that you personally sent to your employees in 2011 directing all of them to use official email, precisely because of security concerns. So it seems that you issued one set of rules for yourself and a different set of rules for the rest of the State Department. So who specifically gave you permission to operate your email system as you did? Was it President Barack Obama? And would you drop out of the race if you get indicted?
1: Oh, oh. Stuck one right between the ribs, stuck the knife right in her back there, oh, that was good you know i 'm so proud of Jorge Ramos, who uh, i 'm not a big i 'm not a big uh, fan of Univision simply because i don 't speak spanish and uh, but you know that guy that guy stuck one right in the in the in the target right there let 's hear her answer I did
2: not send or receive any emails marked classified at the time what you 're talking about is retroactive classification, and the reason that happens is when somebody asks, or when you are asked to make information public, I asked all my emails to be made public, then all the rest of the government gets to weigh in. And some other parts of the government, we're not exactly sure who, has concluded that some of the emails should be now retroactively classified. They've just said the same thing to former Secretary Colin Powell. They have said, we're going to retroactively classify emails you sent personally. Now, I think he was right when he said this is an absurdity. And I think that what we've got here is a case of overclassification. We'll I, am not concer- I am not concerned about it. I am not worried about it. And no Democrat or American
1: should be either. Oh, of course not. Same old answer. To the same old sidestep. Oh yeah, nothing was nothing was classified at the time that we sent it. Nothing was marked classified. You know what? The fact that she set up her set up her uh, server, um, and all the all of the emails were coming in. If somebody sends you a classified email, you don't have to open it. It's on your server. Once they send it, it's there, and it doesn't matter if somebody hacked it or somebody didn't she exposed all that stuff to where it could be uh tech you know uh, high high top security stuff could have been uh could have been hacked and maybe it did we don't know but uh happily uh you know that that little answer she gave made the audience happy cuz obviously a bunch of uh uninformed misinformed young kids idiots um that think that that think it would be just it would just be something special to put a woman in in the presidency i just think it'll be historic i'm gonna vote for hillary uh what's her call qualification uh, i don't know she's a woman okay so uh made the made those uh those idiots happy but uh, ramos didn't let her off the, let her off that easy if you get indicted,
3: would you drop out?
2: Oh, for goodness. That is not going to happen. I'm not even answering that question.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think it is. I think it is going to happen. But uh, apparently, Clinton does. You know what? It's going to be a big burn on the whole Justice Department if she gets, if she gets, if, if all this stuff comes out and she's not, um, she's not indicted, if they don't pursue this. And I have kind of a feeling, I have a kind of a feeling that, um, that maybe they're dragging their feet because they think that if she gets uh if she gets convicted of something that Barack Obama will pardon her. And if they wait till after if they wait I don't think he can, I don't think Obama can pardon her for something she hasn't been charged with or something that uh uh she hasn't been convicted of but uh if so if they drag their feet a little bit till he's out of office before she actually gets charged then They can prosecute her. And I know, do you think Trump will do that? I think so. Do you think uh, uh, Cruz would do that? I think so. Do you think there's any chance that any of the other ones are going to be present? I don't think so. So uh, later the crowd booed Ramos when he brought up Benghazi. He said, Secretary Clinton, on the night of the attacks of Benghazi, you sent an email to your daughter Chelsea saying that Al-Qaeda was responsible for the killing of Americans. However, some of the families claim you lied to them. Then he played the statement by the mother of uh, one of the Benghazi victims, Sean Smith.
0: Hillary and Obama and Panetta and Biden and all of Susan Rice all told me it was a video when they knew, they knew it was not the video. And this they said that they would right. call me and let me know what the outcome was.
1: Secretary Clinton, did you lie to them? Yeah, did you lie to them? Well, before we go to her answer, let me play some stuff. Let me play a couple little clips from uh, the Benghazi hearings to remind you of what happened. This is the At Congressman Jim Jordan. On
0: the night of the attack, you released this statement. Some have sought to justify the vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material posted on the Internet. At 10.08, with no evidence, at 10.08, before the attack is over, at 10.08, when Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty are still on the roof of the annex fighting for their lives, the official statement of the State Department blames a video. Why?
2: During the day, on September 11th, as you did mention, Congressman, there was a very large uh, protest against our embassy in Cairo. Protesters breached the walls, they tore down the uh, American flag, Uh, and it was of grave concern to us because the inflammatory video had been shown on Egyptian television, which has a broader uh, reach than just inside Egypt. And if you look at what I said, I referred to the video that night in a very specific way. I said, some have sought to justify the attack because of the video.
1: Yeah, some have from the video that was broadcast in, uh, in Egypt, over 400 miles, of, 400 miles from there. I don't know. Uh, do you think Egyptian TV is that strong to reach people in, uh, in Benghazi, 400 miles away? Uh, I seriously doubt that. Then, uh, then Jim Jordan reads, uh, reads some more.
0: Here's what you said. At 11 o'clock that night, approximately one hour after you told the American people it was a video, you say to your family, two officers were, were, were killed today in Benghazi by an Al-Qaeda-like group. Also, on the night of the attack... You had a call with the president of Libya. Here's what he said to him. Ansar al-Sharia is claiming responsibility. You knew the truth, but that's not what the American people got.
2: Well, I think if you look at the statement that I made, I clearly said that it was an attack.
1: Yeah, I clearly said it was an attack. That's pretty obvious. Was it an attack? Uh, hey, they killed some guys. It was an attack. And all this stuff was happening. If you haven't seen 13 Hours while these guys were still fighting. Hey, I'm out of time for part one. We're gonna, I'm gonna uh, come back in five minutes after some commercials and some uh, weather and traffic. And we're gonna hear how Hillary reacted to this. Don't go away. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic, it's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy, but you need to refinance the home you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt, or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020 or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at four o'clock, right here on AM 590, The Answer. And welcome back to part two of The Main Event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk a lot about mortgages on this program, um, but that's what I do. So if you hear something that I'm talking about that's more interesting than mortgages and it indicates that I have some common sense or that we think alike if, and you need a mortgage, you call me toll free at 855-640-2020. Whether it's a regular mortgage, a purchase mortgage, a refinance mortgage, or that reverse mortgage thing, call me 855-640-2020. Okay, so before the break, before the break, we were talking about um, the uh, the Wednesday night debate. With uh, for the on uh, Univision with uh Hillary and talking about how how basically that uh um the crowd booed when Ramos brought up brought up Benghazi and I'm gonna play this clip again. He asked about uh how the family said you lied and here's Sean Smith's mom again and what uh Jorge Ramos asked her after it.
0: Hillary and Obama and Panetta and Biden and all of Susan Rice all told me it was a video when they knew. It's not the video, and this they said that they would is... call me and
1: let me know what the outcome was. Secretary Clinton, did you lie to them? Yeah, did you lie to them? And then remember, we talked. We just went through the Benghazi hearing that said the timeline that they knew it was that they knew it was a uh, terrorist attack, but then but they told everybody else on on TV and her and Susan Rice and President Obama, everybody said it was a video. And how did Hillary respond at the? Uh, at the uh, at the debate did you lie to them
2: I certainly can't even imagine the grief that she has for losing her son but she's wrong she's absolutely wrong I and everybody in the administration all the people she named the president the vice president Susan Rice we were scrambling to get information that was changing literally by the hour and when we had information we made it public, but then sometimes we had to go back and say we have new information that contradicts it.
1: I think Hillary's nose was growing right in front of the TV cameras. And, uh, you know, this is all BS. And for those of you that haven't seen uh, 13 Hours, shame on you, but I'm sure it'll be out on video here shortly or on pay per view or on cable. Um, Make sure you watch that and watch it two or three times so you can get the, so you can catch all the little nuances and all the little things. But you'll notice at the beginning of that movie, it says, doesn't say this is based on a true story. It says, this is a true story because the guys who wrote the book, 13 Hours, that the movie was made after, were guys that were there. And when you think about what was going on and the lies they were thinking up while, uh, while, while um, Tyrone Woods and uh, who's the other last guy that died? Tyrone Woods and uh, Glenn Doherty were the last two, last two that died on the roof of the annex. Um, they were still alive. We could have still saved them. It was only like six hours into it it started at three three something so we were eight hours into it there was six hours and we had planes an hour away that we could have we could have done something about it but we didn't and clinton and obama should be in jail for that so anyway we go on then uh also on also in that same same debate we got to hear bernie sanders saying that he would uh he's going to uh you know how he's going to fix wall street is he's going to uh uh put a put a tax penalty for Wall Street speculation. And I'm thinking to myself, and I actually tweeted it, but uh thinking to myself, wait, you're going to put tax penalties on people that take risks? You're gonna put tax penalties on entrepreneurs? Did he forget how America became America? How the capital the cap, the, the capitalism how capitalism works, how how you know, you know, think about this: people that put that speculate, put in, put money into speculation. Hey, you know what? Maybe we should stop putting taxpayer money into speculation, like Celindra and all the all the uh, ethanol companies and all that stuff, and let some let somebody speculate with their money, with investment money. And the money on Wall Street is investment money. People put money in because they say, hey, "I'm going to invest. I'm going to take some risk because I want some return on that." We don't have to put government money, tax money. Don't tax everybody and involuntarily make them investors. Let them invest if they want. Let them have their money. Hey, you know you work, you get to take a bigger piece of your paycheck home, and you decide how much you want to take a risk with. That's America, folks. But Bernie Sanders, he's gonna he's gonna tax uh, Wall Street speculators. That's why you put your money in the stock market. That's why you bought mutual funds, because you wanted, to, be specula- you wanted to, to have some speculation kind of uh, opportunity for, for returns. These Democrats are idiots. We can't let them win. So uh, Thursday night, the next day, the four remaining Republican candidates gathered in Miami to debate uh, ahead of the important uh, primary contest in Ohio and Florida. It's Ohio and Florida, and there's two other states. Uh, also next week but uh, Ohio and Florida are winner take all. I think there's 99 delegates in Florida winner take' them all and Ohio I think is 66 delegates winner take' them all. Um, it started the first the first que- round of questions concerned business and jobs. Trump was asked why he was the best candidate for American business. Here's his answer.
3: Because nobody knows the system better than me. I know the H-1B, I know the H-2B. Nobody knows it better than me. I'm a businessman. These are laws, these are regulations, these are rules, we're allowed to do it. And frankly, because of the devaluations that other countries, their monetary devaluations that other countries are constantly doing and brilliantly doing against us, it's very, very hard for our companies in this country, in our country, to compete. So I will take advantage of it, they're the laws, I'm the one that knows how to change it. Nobody else on this day knows how to change it like I do. Believe me.
1: And uh, and I believe and I believe that. And uh, many of the business questions concerned this H-1B worker visas. Trump was asked why he uses workers at his companies who are here on visas when they uh, take away American jobs, and here's his response.
3: First of all, I think, and I know the H-1B very well, and it's uh, something that I frankly use, and I shouldn't be allowed to use, we shouldn't have it, very, very bad for workers. And second of all, I think it's very important to say, well, I'm a businessman and I have to do what I have to do, and it's sitting there waiting for you, but it's very bad. It's very bad for business in in terms of, uh, it's very bad for our workers, and it's unfair for our workers, and we should end it.
1: And you know, quite frankly, if he didn't take advantage of the legal loopholes that are out there to to uh, cut cost on his cut cost on his business, then everybody be criticizing him for not succeeding. Well, he had businesses, and uh, and uh, he and they went broke. You know, he's had hundreds of businesses, but four of them he filed bankruptcy on because things didn't work out in the economy. He filed bankruptcy. Oh, he destroyed all kinds of lives by filing bankruptcy. He filed bankruptcy four times on four different businesses. He's not a successful businessman. No. And you know what? When they say, when they go, go back and talk about the, uh, the, uh, uh, hey, you know what? He he donated to this party or that party. You know what? When you got that kind of money, I will tell you that I don't have anywhere near his kind of money, and I've got people calling me and emailing me day and night for donations for political for political causes. Even if it's not my district, even if it's not my state, it has nothing to do with me. They're they're calling and harassing me for money, and sometimes it's easier just to give them some here. And especially if you've got billions of dollars, and the maximum donation you can give as a single, as a individual person, is like twenty-two hundred dollars or something per, you know. Hey, here I'll donate. And maybe he donated more, and maybe he donated to some super PACs. But you know what? When you're in business, sometimes you need some favors. And I'm not talking about favors at um, illegal stuff. I heard heard one of our hosts on on uh, uh, on the radio. Saying that, well, Donald Donald Trump is making uh, donations to Democrat uh, politicians. That's because he wants tax breaks. And I say, you know what? Obviously, you've never been in business. You're not looking for tax breaks. He's looking for some priority. He's looking for some some uh, good treatment at City Hall. When you're building a building, I'll tell you. If those of you that have never been to our building, the Wholesale Capital Building is on the on the south side of the 60 Freeway um, between Frederick and Heacock. If you drive. Uh, If you're going east on the 60, right after you pass Frederick Pigeon Pass off-ramp, you look to your right and you'll see a big white and green building with a big electronic sign. If you drive by the front of it, it's got the biggest American flag on a 50-foot flagpole in the whole city. And uh, and that thing took us three years and $4.5 million to do it. That's the first time I've ever done a construction project. But I will tell you, uh, there was many delays and many cost overruns in this thing. And cause obviously I don't do this for a living. We decided that, Hey, we needed a, we needed a bigger office. And instead of leasing a place, we said, Hey, look, we can buy that piece of dirt by the freeway and just build one. We had some money, we had good credit, and we had a great idea, and we figured, hey, two million in one year, we'll put it, put this thing together, and it was three years and four and a half million dollars, and what a hassle! And I can imagine the amount of people that were working on our fourteen thousand square foot building at at any given time, but think about something that's fifty stories high and about fifty times as big, and how many people are when the when the city has your plans or their engineering or zoning or anything and it's not being checked off it's sitting on somebody some government workers desk that takes every single 15 minute break that they're allowed and every every uh 59 minutes and in 59 seconds for lunch and they never miss a break and they never miss a any kind of a holiday and uh and and plans are sitting there how many people are out of work if that stuff just sits so he makes some political donations so he can just call someone and say hey Hey, Senator Clinton, uh, I got this building going up in Manhattan and it's just not moving. Can you drop a dime over to a city hall and see if they can move me up in priority and maybe work in a half an hour of overtime or work through their lunch or something to make sure so I don't have to lay people off. I don't have to lay a thousand people off because somebody couldn't, uh, couldn't put any priority on this stuff. I think that's smart business. I don't think that's necessarily supporting any, any, particular, um, any particular politician's agenda. And I think it it shows the more times that we see uh, Cruz and Rubio make those comments, that they don't understand. They don't understand what business is. What really makes me mad is watching is watching Mitt Romney last weekend say it because we know Mitt Romney knows knows about how business works, but he still sat up there and made those made those comments as if he as if he believed. Oh, he's not a he's not a successful businessman. Oh, we know that we know that Trump's dad gave him a million dollars or loaned him a million dollars to get started and he turned it into $10 billion. Nobody has a real concept what that means. Because most of you, if your dad gave you a million dollars, you'd be broke in a year. You'd have your house and everything else would be gone. You'd buy some cars and buy a house for your kids and do this and do that and you'd be broke in a year. He turned $101 million into $10 billion. I think that takes some brains and some, some business savvy. So, uh, so then Marco Rubio claimed that uh, saying that the H-1... He, he chimed in saying the H-1B visa shouldn't be our number one concern. As usual, he used the story of his parents to illustrate. And eventually, he got around to making the actual point.
4: Talk about the millions of green cards that are coming in. Those are actually workers at all. They're just coming in primarily based on family connection. And let me tell you, my time. my parents came in 1956. I acknowledge that my parents came to the US on a family-based system. The problem is nothing looks like it did 60 years ago. The 21st century economy simply is not creating enough jobs for people that don't have skills. When my parents came, they had a very limited education. My father stopped going to school when he was nine years old because his mother died and he had to work and he would work the next 70 years of his life and never go back to school. And I'm grateful every day that America welcomed them. But today, in the 21st century, 60 years later, finding jobs when you don't have skills is very difficult. We need to move to a merit-based system of immigration, not just on H-1B, particularly on green cards. The primary criteria for bringing someone from abroad in the 21st century should be, what skills do you have? What business are you going to open? What investment are you going to make? What job are you going to be able to do when you arrive in the United States?
1: Wow, what a... What a what a what a banner thought that was because that's how it used to be. That's how it is in Australia. If you're coming to Australia, you got to convince them why they should let you into Australia. I I was surprised he didn't mention that his dad was a bartender and his mom was a maid um cuz I think that's the first time he talked about his dad. His later he in his next question he brought up his mom and a couple questions later he talked about his grandparents and uh so apparently this guy doesn't know how to talk about anything except, hey, you know, we're not electing your ancestors. We're talking about whether we're going to vote for you. But uh, you know what? Uh, when he talks about how how the H-1B visa is, uh, is by the merit of your family connections, 1965, there was an Immigration Act that was pushed forward by uh, one Democrat, Teddy Kennedy. and uh, And since that time, since that time, instead of, screening people the way that we used to that that rubio just described now it's like hey you got a family connection we got to let you in hey uh this guy's in so you're his cousin so we got to let you in uh you're his parents we gotta let you in uh you're his uh his uh his nephew so we gotta let you in and here's uh, someone we can't even connect to you but you say you're related to him and we just let people in and we don't vet them we don't do anything and we let all these people in, and we don't have any, you know, they used to come in and say, hey, I'm from Italy or I'm from Poland or I'm from France or I'm from wherever and I want to immigrate and I want to be a part of the American system and I want to they used to call us this the melting pot that we would take all these different all these different uh, um, cultures and we'd melt them into one American had a little bit of, of people from Mexico and people from Europe and people from Canada and people from Asia and we and and we and they all melted into one into one culture that was America but now, since 1965 we bring in their cultures and then we say, "Hey, you can't offend these people. They're from they're from uh, Italy. You can't offend these people. They're from Mexico. You can't offend these people. They're from South America. You can this is their culture. These people are from Syria or some other Muslim co- country and we can't offend them because they're bringing in their culture. And it's no longer about American culture, it's about their cultures and that's where the breakdown of of uh, what what is America is is coming around. And and I will tell you, talking to someone else uh, about my age at our company, saying, you know what, we were raised by parents who were part of the greatest generation. The you know the our parents and our grandparents fought in World War II, World War one, World War one, Korea, Vietnam, and and they they understood what it took to make America great, and to uh, and why freedom's not free, and they taught us. And then we we raised our kids and we taught them, but our kids have it better. Have never had to struggle like like uh, like we did when we grew up. You know, I saw my parents struggling to to feed the our four kids. You know, I was number three of four, and uh, I saw I saw you know and say, th- hey, my mom was my mom was a maid, my dad was a bartender. Hey, my my mom was a little was a bookkeeper, and my dad was a loser. So uh, so and guess what? Nobody cares. I made it through. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. It's not a question of, of, uh, of making sure that other people don't have to struggle. Struggle is good. It, it gives you some character. Teach your kids to teach their kids what America is. Because the younger people don't know anymore. Because they're they're brought up by they're brought up in the information age. It's not the greatest generation. It's not the baby boomers. Now we got X gens and millennials and the and the selfish generation. And uh, we shouldn't offend anybody. And we're not entitled to uh, our freedom of speech. And we're not a uh, you know it, it's it's shame on us for not teaching our kids what it means to be an American. So I got off track there. So then can it, so getting back to the getting back to the debate. Uh, Then Canadian-born Ted Cruz was asked about immigration. He mentioned something in his plan that sounds awfully familiar. Let's see if you can catch it. I've laid
3: out a very,
2: very detailed immigration plan on my website. We're going to build a wall, triple the border patrol. We're going to end sanctuary cities. And let me tell you how we're going to do that. We're going to cut off federal taxpayer funds to any city that defies federal immigration law.
1: Hmm. What was it that sounds familiar? Was it The Wall? I don't know. The Wall. Hmm. Where did I hear that from? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump. You know, here, here's my question. On top of the fact that that Ted Cruz is not a natural-born citizen, and, and maybe nobody's, nobody's pushing that until he gets the n- nomination, I had, uh, had somebody say, hey, just stop it with the natural-born citizen thing. He's not going to get the nomination. It's not important to talk about. Well... Maybe we should have talked about it eight years ago. Then we wouldn't have Obama in there, and maybe if uh, if it was ma- if it was defined, we wouldn't have Obama in there. We wouldn't have Cruz, Rubio, or Jindal ha- having having run, and maybe that might have uh, opened up opportunities for Scott Walker, Rick Perry, uh, Carly Fiorina, Ben Carson to have maybe had a had b- a better chance of uh, of making it. But I digress. But uh, here's a here's a question that I have: Who do you think? makes you more confident that the wall will really get built Trump or Cruz me personally I think Trump will get it done I think he'll get it done in in the first year he's in office I don't think there's going to be any hesitation he's going to start he's going to start the first thing and before we uh, do any comprehensive immigration reform the wall is going to get built I don't know that's just how I feel I could be wrong You know, you listen to TV and listen, especially if you listen to to the Communist News Network or uh, PMSNBC, any of those, you think that Trump is is a disease. I think, you know what? I think as a businessman, as someone who has common sense, someone who thinks for himself— I feel pretty good about him. I think he's. I think he's gonna. I think if we nominate him, I think he'll do a good job. But the biggest thing that, that makes me mad about what the what the Republican Party is trying to do with the establishment and Mitt Romney is they want to change it from uh, our our nominee being elected by the people to being selected by the establishment. That's not how it works. Respect respect the the word of the 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 votes of the people. So uh, we're always hearing about Trump doesn't act presidential. Um, I thought he acted really really presidential almost this whole uh, this whole uh, debate. I thought he was calm, cool and he was trying to act presidential. Um, actually, I went home from work uh, to be home in time to watch the uh, the debate with my wife and uh, expecting to see a bloodbath because hey, it's the last hurrah for a couple of those guys, specifically uh, Rubio and and Kasich. And uh, on top of that, Cruz has to be thinking pretty close to the same thing. If Trump does a sweep here, it's going to be really hard for Cruz to catch up. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's important for those of you that haven't heard him, except for because I'm sure these kind of clips aren't going to make the news because there's nothing to criticize. And let me play a little bit of what uh, Trump said.
3: I feel that we have had horrible negotiators, horrible trade deals, The jobs in this country are disappearing, and especially the good jobs. You look at the recent jobs reports, which are really done so that presidents and politicians look good. Because all of these people looking for jobs, when they give up, they go home, they give up, and they're considered statistically employed. So, that's that. But I will say, trade deals are absolutely killing our country the devaluations of their currencies by China and Japan and many many other countries and we don't do it because we don't play the game and the only way we're going to be able to do it is we're going to have to do Taxes unless they behave. If you don't tax certain products coming into this country from certain countries that are taking advantage of the United States and laughing at our stupidity, we're going to continue to lose businesses and we're going to continue to lose jobs. And if you look at the average worker over the last 12 years, their salary and their pay have gone down, not up. It's gone down.
1: Yep, I think uh, all the business talk that was going on in that, I think it was very obvious to me. And I don't know, I haven't heard, I haven't heard what everybody said about the debate. I thought, I thought, I thought Trump sealed the deal for me because all the business stuff, the tax stuff, he understands it. And if we fix our economy, everything else will take care of itself. Uh, uh, Then the conversation turned to radical Islam. Everyone had a long, complicated answer except for Trump. Here's how it started.
4: Last night you told CNN, quote, Islam hates us. Did you mean all 1.6 billion Muslims? I mean a lot of them. I mean a
1: lot of them. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Uh, Cruz uh, danced around it. Danced around it. Kasich danced around it. Rubio danced around it. I mean, Kasich was clearly a Democrat on uh, Thursday night, and uh, he needs to he needs to go bye bye. He needs to take his uh, his blanket and, uh, and his and his and uh, his. Uh, and his binky, and, uh, and go, go back to Ohio and finish his term as governor. And then, uh, then of course, Friday morning, Friday morning uh, we got to see uh, Mr. Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson come out and uh, endorse Donald Trump. Let me play that clip. There are
3: two different Donald Trumps. There's the one you see on the stage, and there's the one who's very uh, cerebral, sits there and considers things very carefully. You can have a very good conversation with him. Um, And that's the Donald Trump that you're going to start seeing more and more of right now. Ben said it very well today. So perhaps there are two Donald Trumps. But, uh, well, you know, I'm somebody that is a thinker. I'm a big thinker. And I have my ideas and they're strong. And, you know, typically they've worked out
1: you can't get to where he was where he is what he's accomplished without without thinking about things and uh and i think that's what we'll see when you put a uh, trump in the in the white house and i also think that sometimes people forget what they're doing uh, you know that some of the some of the candidates have come out on the uh, in the debates and start fighting against Hillary. We all know that we can't have Hillary in o- in office. You got to think about you're there to dis- to compete against the other guys in office, and it makes me think about back when I was uh, arm wrestling competition. Some guys would come up there and squeeze my hand really tight and real hard, and they'd say go, and I'd hold on just for a second, and I would just push them over to the pad, and then after they calm down, uh, they'd come over to me and say, hey, had good match. Uh, what I do wrong? I says. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything. All you did was squeeze my hand. You don't win the match by who squeezes their hand the, the most. It's You win the match by putting me over to the pad. you got to push sideways. So anyway, Trump obviously knows he's got to take out the other opponents before he gets a chance at Hillary Clinton. So anyway, that's my thought. Those are my opinions, and you're welcome to them, folks. I'm out of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I will be back again with you next week.